This Sunday was to be the second Sunday of our new message series all about celebration. That was the plan. But clearly, given the events of the past week, the topic of celebration no longer seemed appropriate. Instead, it falls to me as pastor to bring words to our gathering in the shadow of an aberration so appalling there are no words. A horrific tragedy whose horror reminds us yet again, as if any reminder were needed given the ongoing disaster in the Ukraine, that evil is real. And it's really at work in our world, and this week it was unleashed in full fury with the massacre at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, of two teachers and 19 children, most all of them just 10 years old. My niece, Elizabeth, is just 10 years old. This weekend, our masses are dedicated to remembering and grieving the victims, deceased and living, all those victimized by this event. In spoken word and sung, we give voice to our hurt hearts. We lift up to the light and love of the Lord those who have died, and fervently, urgently, we pray for those whose loss and grief are unimaginable. Evil is real and really active in our world. That's what the facts tell us, and that's what our faith tells us too. But our faith also tells us that evil does not have the final word. It cannot triumph. It can never win. In fact, it is already lost. While battles with evil rage on, the war is won. Through his cross and resurrection, Christ has con conquered it once and for all and forever. And through his ascension, which we celebrate today, he takes his place as king over creation, providing the way forward for us. The ascension is alluded to in several places in the New Testament, but only described by Luke, who in fact describes it twice in his gospel and then again in the Acts of the Apostles, which he also wrote. Essentially, a sequel to his gospel, Acts of the Apostles, tells us the story of the earliest church, the church of the apostles, what happened to them, and what they did. And this story begins at the ascension. Forty days after the resurrection, Jesus asked his disciples to gather once more together. And here's what Luke tells us happened, and it's not what you might expect. When the apostles had gathered together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So what are they talking about? What's this about? Well, notwithstanding the world-changing miracle of the resurrection, the apostles were still wondering when Jesus was going to restore the political fortunes of the kingdom of Israel. Even at this point, they had an entirely limited understanding or rather a total misunderstanding of Jesus' message and mission. They still thought that he was only all about politics and introducing a new political order. 
So their question is essentially, when are you going to do it? When are you going to take care of this for us? And his answer to them is an instruction as well as an injunction. It is not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father established by his own authority, but you will receive power (coughs) when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you are left wondering in the face of this week's tragedy, and who isn't, where was God? You're feeling maybe like the apostles felt in that story. So consider for a moment their perspective. Think about it. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's just conquered death. He's appearing and disappearing daily all over the place, working wonders and dispensing miracles. And meanwhile, these guys are daily subjected to the brutal, oppressive regime of the Roman Empire. And as followers of Jesus, they're literally living in fear for their lives. So they've basically got one simple question. Jesus, what are you going to do about it? If you can do anything, why aren't you doing something? If you're God, act like it. Where are you in all this? Familiar questions for us all this week, for sure. Where was God in all of this? And frankly, the response that he gives is not all that satisfying or even satisfactory. It is not for you to know. That's what he tells us. It's not for you to know. It's not for you or me or any of us to know how this could be, why this could be. It's not for us to know. What is for us to know is how we are to be, how we are to proceed in the face of it all. The mission that we are given, which is clear and entirely simple. Be my witnesses. Be my witnesses. We are to be witnesses to the Lord Jesus, and that is not always an easy thing to do, especially this week. But if you think about it, that really is the first, the basic, the fundamental challenge of our faith. Can we be people of faith, people of consistent and compelling faith, even in the face of what we will never understand, this side of heaven? Can we be witnesses in the environments we find ourselves in, in the relationships we form, in our work life, our home life, our married life, our school life, in spoken and unspoken ways? Can we be witnesses to the love of the Lord? The ascension provides direction, our direction, our way forward, despite the chaos that we experience all around us all the the time. Can we confidently hold on to that direction and provide confidence to those who lack it? In the very presence and power of evil, when all hell is literally breaking loose, can we be effective witnesses to the Lord Jesus' triumph over evil?